It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. It's the Media Buzz Meter with Howard Kurtz. Before I get to Taylor Swift, let's face it, it's Taylor's world. We're all just living in it. I want to talk about her boyfriend's brother, not Travis Kelsey, but Jason Kelsey, who plays for the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, he was at the game, not this past Sunday, but the one where the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Buffalo Bills. And you may recall seeing video of him or photos of him, you know, bare-chested and looking slightly deranged, I guess would be the diplomatic way of putting it. And on their, the brother's podcast, he now explains why he did this. Jason Kelsey saying the energy, the shenanigans, and I'm like, I got to have my shirt off at some point. Uh, I can't just take my shirt off in the box. Like, who takes their shirt off in the box? So I'm like, you know what? I'm taking my shirt off and I'm jumping out of this box. This is how my mind works after 40 Miller Light. Okay, partial explanation there. Now, Jason Kelsey also says he gave his wife, Kylie, a heads up. She said, Jason, don't you dare. I said, I'm not asking for permission. I'm doing this. She was already telling me to be on my best behavior because we were meeting Taylor. I was like, Kylie, the first day I met you, I was blackout drunk and fell asleep at the bar. This is part of the charm. This is part of the Jason Kelsey charm or non-charm. Now, everybody's expecting Taylor Swift to be at the Super Bowl in a couple weeks to root for Travis Kelsey. She's been to, I think, all the playoff games. But there's a problem. She might not make it. What? Okay, so the night before, the Saturday night before the Sunday Super Bowl on February 11th, and I'm sure this is booked a long time ago, she is doing a concert in Japan. She's booked to be on stage in Tokyo. So then she would have to get on a plane and fly for 18 hours I assume she'll have some kind of private jet. And she could make it. She'd probably have to take a nap. Um, but she has the seven, uh, 17 hour time difference working in her favor. So she could get to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas with plenty of time to spare. But, you know, there could be weather, there could be delays. Um, and by the way, just real quick, um, I finally saw the highlights of the other uh, playoff game Sunday 49ers, San Francisco coming back. Uh, from 24-7 deficit. And 49ers quarterback, Brock Purdy, in that second half, was unbelievable. I mean, he just put on a clinic. Touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. And then finally, uh, the go-ahead touchdown to win by three. You know, Brock Purdy gets about, I don't know what, 0.1% as much publicity as Patrick Mahomes and other star quarterbacks. I don't know why that is. The Super Bowl might change that, Uh, but we'll see. Okay, now this is just either a breakthrough or a little bit creepy or both at the same time, which means it involves Elon Musk. So Elon Musk's startup company, it's called Neuralink, He's announced on X that 
Neuralink has implanted a device in its first live human subject. Patients recovering well, said Elon Musk. Now, this is a brain chip. The brain chip is placed in the part of the brain that plans movements. The device is uh, designed to interpret a person's neural activity so they can control external devices such as a smartphone or a computer with their thoughts. I mean, this seems like total sci-fi. Currently in critical trials and open to people who are quadriplegic, who have a spinal cord injury, or Lou Gehrig's disease. Musk said this uh, first product will be called telepathy and initially used by people who have lost the ability to use their limbs. Imagine if Stephen Hawking could communicate faster than a speed typist or auctioneer. That's the goal, says Musk. Now, there have been regulatory hurdles because of safety concerns, yes. And it's not, he's not even the only company doing this. There's also BlackRock Neurotech and Synchron. Um, but, you know, he used to say about Elon Musk that, yes, he can do rocket science at SpaceX, but running Twitter, formerly known as Twitter, uh, is harder than rocket science. Well, now we could say, yeah, it's not brain surgery. He knows how to do that. But as far as uh, critics of this, uh, four members of Congress have asked the SEC to investigate if Musk misled investors about the safety of this brain implant. After records of experiments on monkeys resulted in debilitating health effects. And when Neuralink Neuralink, uh, gained approval for these human trials, the director of research advocacy at the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine saying if Musk cared about the health of patients, he would invest in a non-invasive brain-computer interface. So with... Economic confidence up so somewhat, and the economy seeming to do better. On Fox Business, Stuart Varney asked his panel to talk about a Washington Post headline declaring that the U.S. of A. had the best economic recovery from the global pandemic. Uh, falling inflation and rising growth gives the U.S. the world's best recovery. And Steve Forbes was a guest, obviously knows uh, a lot about the world economy and the former publisher of his magazine, which was sold. And Forbes begrudgingly said, well, yes, it does. And Varney said, I'll bet the next time KJP or the president takes any kind of questions of any kind on the economy, that Washington Post article is going to write that front and center. We've got the best recovery. That's a pretty good slogan in an election year, Varney said. All right, getting down to the rundown. We'll start with story number one. A former IRS contractor who leaked a slew of confidential tax records, including those of President Trump when he was in office, was sentenced Monday to the maximum of five years in prison. The guy's name is Charles Littlejohn. He pleaded guilty last year to one count 
of unauthorized disclosure of income tax returns, he admitted that he leaked Trump's confidential tax information to the New York Times back in 2019. Did the same thing again the following year. Um, And also, tax returns of thousands of wealthy Americans. And all this showed that Trump and the richest Americans for years paid little or no federal taxes. It didn't show they did it illegally. You know, especially if you're in the real estate business, there are a whole variety of what regular people would call loopholes, tax incentives uh, that you can take advantage of. So the judge in the case said Little John deserved the maximum sentence. I think it should have been more, but she couldn't do more because that's the legal limit. And maybe that should be raised. This is what the worst thing you can do is leak somebody's confidential tax records. Now, only 152 of these victims have had their information published in online reports. Others could in the future. Little John said, I alone am responsible for this crime. He said he wanted voters to review Trump's tax returns before the 2020 election and that he knew he'd be held accountable, says the Washington Post, in a courtroom one day for leaking the data. Um, They haven't said, neither side has said where Little John worked, but the Post finds evidence that he had joined Booz Allen Hamilton, one of the nation's uh, biggest consulting firms, and his work there involved the IRS. So what does Booz have to say about this? We condemn in the strongest possible terms the action of this individual who was active with the company years ago. We have zero tolerance for violations of the law and operate under the highest ethical and professional guidelines. We fully support the U.S. government in its investigation. Now, the Justice Department filing found how Little John actually studied IRS systems that he would breach with sophisticated digital techniques that were designed to hide his tracks. Rather than entering search terms like Trump, um, he used broad parameters designed to conceal the true purpose of his queries. And he learned that while the IRS could block large downloads, uh, he figured out in 2018 there was a loophole if he sent the data to a private website he set up, according to DOJ. Now, this is really important because it's such an outrage and it's such an invasion of privacy. And look, it confirms what Donald Trump has been saying about the deep state, about people in power, even people in his own bureaucracy, trying to get him trying to undermine him, trying to embarrass him, trying to humiliate him. I don't think any of that really happened. But I'm not seeing a whole lot of play. Yes, this has been reported. But yesterday, I was looking at the New York Times homepage. Times, of course, being the recipient of one of these mega leaks. And I had to scroll all the way down to sort of like the tiny type. Washington Post had played it higher on the homepage and with a bigger headline. But 
Television, you know, reported it. But, you know, yesterday morning, as I mentioned on the podcast, the big story was still Donald Trump having to pay a massive fine in the E. Jean Carroll defamation suit, the second one. Now, I'm not saying that's not big news. A fine of that amount, $83 million, when E. Jean Carroll's own lawyer had only asked for $24 million, so more than three times and I, uh, the level. And I, as I said, I think this will be lowered on appeal. But again, you know, given the fact that until now, you know, Trump was fined $5 million and found liable of sexual assault, which he completely and totally and vociferously denies. So the press is still having a field day with that. And then when you have something on the other side where the uh, tax system, the legal system was totally abused by somebody working with the IRS, you know, that's a half a day story. And I think that's just sort of shows you where the media are right now when it comes to Donald J. Trump. This story, you know, for, for, for a press corps that says it's the defender of democracy and people, everyone should play by the rules and there shouldn't be any legal loophole, I would argue that this tax leak was about as important, and, but it went the other way. Okay, meanwhile, the House revealing yesterday that it's been subpoenaed by the Justice Department as part of a grand jury probe. And I thought, oh, this must, of course, have to do with Trump. And the uh, subpoena was ruled by the sergeant of arms to be um, legitimate and the House is complying. But it's not about Donald Trump at all. Uh, Punchball News reporting that the Justice Department is investigating a House Democrat for allegedly misusing government money that was intended for personal security. So I just also want to touch on the battle over the border bill, which, if I had to guess, seems dead, but the talks are still going on. Trump writing on Proof Social, a border bill is not necessary to stop the millions of people, many from jails and mental institutions all over the world, that are pouring into our country as an invasion the likes of which no country has ever had to endure. It is not sustainable or affordable and will, under crooked Joe Biden, only get worse. I had the safest and most secure border in U.S. history. The Democrats broke the border. They should fix it. No legislation is needed. It's already there. Let me just stop for a second and say, sure, Trump absolutely cracked down on, a, on the border in a way that Joe Biden has not been able to do for three years. But with extremely harsh tactics and extremely controversial tactics, such as separating children from parents. And it isn't like all border crossings were stopped, but certainly they were at a much lower level. Now, Senator Jim Lankford is the lead Republican negotiator 
with the other side, the Dems. And he went on Fox News Sunday and told Shannon Bream, a lot of Republicans are saying Biden has things he could use now, executive powers and laws that are not enforced. So why give him this in an election year? The cover of this deal that critics say is still going to let a lot of people in, but he gets to take a victory lap that he's gotten something done. He's describing the, the Trump position, really. It's definitely not going to let a bunch of people in. It's focused on actually turning people around on it. It is interesting. Republicans four months ago would not give funding for Ukraine, for Israel, for our southern border, because we demanded changes in policy. So we actually locked arms together and said, we're not going to give you money for this. We want a change in law. And now it's interesting, a few months later, when we're finally going to the end, they're like, oh, just kidding. I actually don't want to change the law because it's a presidential election year. Hey, let's pause right there. The buzz meter continues right after this. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Story two. I wrote my column for Fox Today. You can check it out if you like. On Joe Biden's leaked campaign plan. This was an obviously orchestrated leak uh, to the New York Times to where the people now running the Biden campaign, including two former top White House officials, are trying to show, I think, the media that they can win, that they've got a plan. Well, I start off by quoting John Lennon as singing about those who want a revolution. We'd all love to see the plan. You don't have to worry anymore. We have the plan. Uh, Most of it's not going to surprise you. Pretty well-known stuff. I think this is aimed... You know, like, why would they make this public and let the Biden people pour over it? I think it's aimed at persuading the media that the president has a solid chance of keeping his job against the former president. Biden, of course, has abysmal poll numbers. He's got the age issue, Trump edging him in a number of battleground state polls. So he has to counter that narrative that he's a likely loser in November, which can create a self-reinforcing death spiral. Now, there are a lot of advantages to incumbency. You fly around on Air Force One, You can take official actions that make big news. You're the commander-in-chief. But there are serious disadvantages. Everything that goes wrong can be blamed on you. Such as the three Americans who were killed by an Iran-backed group in that drone strike in Jordan. Biden has vowed to retaliate. But he also has to balance that against the risks of a wider war. Some people want him to strike Iran. Same thing with the Houthi attacks in the Red Sea. All makes him look weaker. Now, I have to think Joe Biden has done a very good job of managing the Mideast war. But even that hurts him among the left wing of his party that opposes Israel and supports Hamas. So, I've also said that Biden could use 
could declare a national emergency and shut down the border today. He doesn't have to wait for this bill. But there's a whole leveraging game involved. Oh, so here's what is in the plan. Direct assault on Trump as a mortal threat to American government and civil society. Uh, president's already done that in that Paris speech is tied to the January 6th anniversary. Heavy emphasis on abortion rights. That was launched last week, joint appearance, uh, Biden and Vice President Harris, and Kamala making the TV rounds. Make the Capitol riot a touchstone. Okay, it seems like they're already trying that. They believe the more the public sees and hears Trump, the less people will be inclined to vote for him. Well, I've heard a lot of those predictions. But here's the one new and sort of interesting thing. Working to win the support of social media influencers. So, for example, and this is all in the time story, when Biden made an hour-long visit to North Carolina, he visited the home of a supporter who had his student loans canceled through a federal program. The man's son later posted a video of Biden's visit on TikTok, which drew millions of views trying to reach people who maybe don't follow traditional news. Campaign officials are talking to celebrities and social media stars about promotions on Instagram and TikTok, with the president himself sometimes making the pitch. It's just a little incongruous. 81-year-old Joe Biden um, working with these young pups. But here's the zinger, and everybody put it in the headline. And I certainly alluded to it. Um, Taylor Swift. And the potential of reaching her 279 million Instagram followers. So Joe Biden wants her endorsement. No shock there. She's a Democrat. And some people saying, oh, she could do it at the Super Bowl. Yeah, she's going to upstage her boyfriend, particularly if the Kansas City Chiefs win. And mixed politics? I don't think so. Why don't you say that, uh, you know, Biden and Taylor Swift could sing a duet with Travis Kelsey looking on. Now, the only reason I could see Taylor not endorsing is that she might not want to deal with all the vitriol that would come from Trump supporters. And by the way, even though she's the most popular person in the world, Time Magazine says so, with all those Swifties following her, does anyone really believe she could steer a significant number of votes to Biden? I mean, if Taylor Swift endorsed Joe Biden today, would it prompt all these Taylor Swift fans who weren't otherwise going to vote, or I don't know, were going to stay home or vote for Trump to suddenly vote for Joe Biden? Maybe some. Anyway. I finish by saying a better idea for Biden is this. Use the bully pulpit. Get yourself on television and the web through video. Joe Biden seems to be under the illusion that if you put out a written statement, that that's enough. No, it doesn't work that way. TV wants to show the sound bites. When those three American service members were tragically killed, and I'll get to that later, He should have gone before the cameras. When the economy grew at a 3.3% rate for the last quarter, he should have gone before the cameras. 
He should do more interviews and not just, you know, with these favorable podcasters. He should take on tough questions. And even if he stumbles and mumbles and bumbles, he'll get his message out. But clearly, his team is shielding him from the press, except for those, you know, few shouted questions near the uh, helicopter where you can barely make out what he's saying because they feel it won't end well. You want to be president? You want to win re-election? You've got the biggest megaphone in the world. And yet every day the media are talking about Donald Trump. All right, number three. With Nikki Haley saying she's going to stay in at least through Super Tuesday, but setting a goal for herself of uh, winning more than 43% of the vote in her home state of South Carolina, where she's trailing badly. There's some good reporting in the New York Times about this. It's not new in the sense that this all came out in the past in South Carolina, but it's new to a national audience. So reporter or reporters went down uh, to the Palmetto State and found out what is the deal with Nikki Haley. The stories pile up. Thanks not offered. Allies antagonized. Opponents not forgiven. A portrait of a politician who climbed the ladder with speed and skill, but failed to ensure the people who helped her would have her back if she needed them. That's why she's getting little support. So her lieutenant governor, Henry McMaster, signing on with Trump. The House member, Backbencher she plucked from a crowded field and made him a senator. Tim Scott endorsed Donald Trump just before the New Hampshire and stood behind Trump as the former president mocked her dress. The congresswoman whose career was rescued from a Trump-backed challenger um, 2022 by Haley's endorsement, Nancy Mace, who's been on my show, she's also backing Trump. So here's a Republican political consultant, Chip Felkel, quoted as saying she was good on economic development, but not great on cultivating relationships. She forgot who helped her get here, and that is the nature of politics. Now, in the rough and tumble politics of South Carolina for 12 years, Haley, who became the youngest governor in the country, uh, was pretty remarkable. She defied expectations. She took on the entrenched old guard in the Deep South. She beat much better known politicians for governor. Now, Haley and her supporters, this piece says, attribute the hard feelings she left in her way to jealousy, sexism, and the sense that a young woman of color had simply not waited her turn. But the state also values the glad hand, and that wasn't her style. The guy that she beat, his name is Kuhn, I didn't write down the first name, and his supporters started referring to her, and then Trump's doing that now, as Nimarada Randhawa, her given Indian name, but part of her given name, as I say every time I mention this, is Nikki. Hey, let's pause right there. The buzz meter continues right after this. Number four. So, air defenses that failed to stop that attack on a U.S. military outpost in Jordan. 
at least in part because, this is horrible, the hostile drone approached its target at the same time an American drone was returning to base. And they mixed those up. You know, I understand it in the fog of war, but what an egregious ever. What an egregious mistake. Wall Street Journal reported that the drone mix-up, now under investigation by Central Command, raised doubts about American military defenses in the Middle East. Yeah, you think? Killed three Army Reserve soldiers who were doing their jobs in Jordan. Pentagon now says the injured toll is at least 40. Biden administration blaming the drone launched by an Iran-backed militia from Iraq called Kataib Hezbollah. The dead soldiers are, and they are the patriots here, who lost their lives in defense of their country, Sergeant William Jerome Rivers, Specialist Kennedy Laden Sanders, and Specialist Brianna Alexandria Moffitt. They were assigned to an engineer battalion. Uh, Senior U.S. officials said attacking Iran directly was less likely as they sort through the various options. By the way, Sky News landing in hot water last week when an on-air presenter, as they're called in Europe, compared the Israeli operations against Hamas in Gaza against the Hamas terrorists in Gaza and the displacement of Gazans to the Holocaust. Remember, Israel was attacked in brutal fashion on October 7th. Sky host Bell Donata was interviewing a Likud member of the Knesset, Danny Dannon. This was on Friday. And he's, you know, part of the Netanyahu government or a Netanyahu supporter in the legislature. And Bell did not have slammed the, uh, the Israeli military operation, claiming that Dannon himself had suggested the ethnic cleansing of some of Gaza's population. Well, Danny Dannon wasn't taking this. I will not allow it. Ethnic cleansing. That's a word you used. If you read my article, I spoke about voluntary immigration. And she says the sort of voluntary relocation of many people during the Holocaust, I imagine. Shame on you for that comparison, Dannon said. You should apologize for what you just said. Well, Sky News did apologize with a different presenter. In an interview earlier today, Sky News presenter made a comparison between Uh, Dannon's comments on the Israel's war with Hamas and the treatment of Jewish people in the Holocaust. Sky News recognized the complete inappropriateness of this uh, comparison and the offensive nature of these comments. Sky News would like to apologize unreservedly for the comparison and to Mr. Dannon personally for making the comparison. Um, And then the staff was told that this was inappropriate, unnecessary, and offensive. But she's still there. There are calls by Dannon and others for her to be fired. By the way, Bell Donata, former Al Jazeera producer. Number five, yet another piece giving advice to Joe Biden 
on how to win. I was keeping a rough tally. There were like five or six that I had noticed, you know, by, by fairly prominent journalists and commentators. And it's just so striking. Um, can you think of a single piece saying, here's how Donald Trump can win and offering the former president advice? I can't. There were stories saying Donald Trump may win. There were stories saying Donald Trump will win. But not, here's what Trump needs to do. I mean, it just is such a blatant example of how much of the media have turned into the opposition party. And, you know, no, there's no longer any fig leaf about it. So this latest one is from Chris Whipple, a uh, well-known guy, uh, very well-connected with uh, past campaign managers, writing a book on the subject. And he writes in a New York Times op-ed, Joe Biden has yet to explain clearly why he's running for a second term. I've reached this conclusion after speaking with more than a dozen ex-presidential campaign managers and top political strategists. And he's the author of a book on the Biden presidency. To articulate his vision for America and his case for re-election, the president, whom I should note, I am rooting for. Thanks, Chris, because I could not have deciphered that on my own. Must campaign in both poetry and prose. The poetry will be his pledge to preserve the Constitution and safeguard democracy. The prose will be his promise to deliver on kitchen table issues, where many believe he's fallen short. As the incumbent, Biden can't run as an outsider, but he has a strong populist case to make. A stark and optimistic contrast to Trump. As one senior White House advisor told me, anonymously, I keep saying to the president and to the team, yes, Ukraine is really important. Yes, the economy is really important. Yes, Israel is really important. But at the end of the day, when we think about the future of this country and the world, it's about the president being reelected. And so we have to put that at the top of the list, right? Well, that's often a criticism of Trump. He'll do anything to get elected. But the counter argument is any change you want to make on all these important topics, you can't make it if you lose the election. It's time for Joe Biden to get out of the Rose Garden, shake off his script doctors, and recapture the plain-spoken persona that got him elected three years ago by a margin of seven million votes. Well, this whole plain-spoken persona thing, I, I think Biden does much better when he's talking to a small crowd or something, and he's just Joe Biden. And, you know, does he stumble and bumble and lose his place? Sure. Everybody knows this. But better to sound, you know, somewhere else, or maybe I read another piece, that, that people don't have an emotional connection with Joe Biden. That's in part because he's not, many, many days, you don't see him on TV. You see him putting out statements, which is like a half a day news cycle. The contrast with Donald Trump, who has an extremely emotional connection with his base, could do almost anything and retain their support. Shoot some money on Fifth Avenue, the famous comment. That's where Joe Biden has to do his work. You know, I agree with the getting out of the Rose Garden part. But again, all these pieces by all these prominent bylines, how to help Joe Biden win. 
Thanks for spending some time with me today. And I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. We'll be back then with more BuzzMeter. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts and via Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on Amazon Music. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.